0: You have your Bibles, turned to 1 John chapter 1. I will tell you this, I am very glad to be here this morning. I hope you are. Uh, I, I, number one, I like being here because we get to worship the Lord, we get to hear from His Word, but I'm just so thankful that I'm not in traffic, backed up the Anor going into Myrtle Beach. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I feel sorry for those that are down there actually normally I'm first one at the beach but uh, I do I'm so glad to be here not caught in traffic getting my honeydews done this weekend and all that good stuff and feel like I'm getting ahead almost you know. And uh, so I hope this week will be a good week for you. Some of you are going to hopefully get some much-deserved rest, but at least, at least get one day off this week. And uh, I hope it turns out to be a good thing for you. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, we just finished up Vacation Bible School around here. And uh, I, the people who are tired, they're, they're the ones who worked in it. And, uh, but anyway, I just want to say that uh, we had a phenomenal VBS. Uh, there were just so many people who stepped up. And uh, I know Kenny and his team, and of course, Kenny, he, bless his heart, by about 2 o'clock, he was sitting at his desk. I mean, he was exhausted, you know, but uh, I just want to thank all of you who made it such a success this year. Uh, We did see some children come to know Christ. Uh, We have heard about some of them coming to Christ, and uh, so we're so thankful for that. Our teenagers... Let me just tell you, they are some remarkable people. Our teenagers really stepped up. I'm not sure we could have pulled off VBS the way we did if our teenagers didn't step up the way they did. And I'm just so thankful for them. And uh, one of the workers who fed them every day this week said, well, just was on and on about how these children were just so thankful and how refreshing it is to see children who are thankful for things that we do for them. And, and, and that's the kind of atmosphere we had here this past week. So I want to thank all those who are part. We We had 175 uh, children registered for VBS, and uh, that's just a great number, and uh, yeah, let's give the Lord a round of applause for that, amen. First John chapter one, you know, when you look at America today, um, how many of you, God bless America, beautiful song, love the song, I mean, it gives me, you get chills when you hear it sometimes. Let me just say this, how many of you looking across the landscape of America, how many of you almost feel conflicted about asking God to bless America? I mean, I don't, I don't want to start this sermon on a downer, but, but I'm here to tell you, the subject matter we'll be discussing today is all about light. It's all about light. And, and I don't know about you, but I do see kind of a darkness that's settling in over America. America. In these last days, and, and and I just I would just want you to know that I believe apart from a revival where God just gets a hold of the hearts of people in this nation, and I believe it has to start with the church first. Apart from that, I, I, I tell you, I'm I'm really concerned about the America that my children and grandchildren will grow up in, and I think many of you have expressed the same concerns to me. But you know something. The reason I believe we can ask God to bless America, did you know that we are still the number one mission-sending nation in the world? We still are. There's still a lot going on here. There's still pockets of remnant that is everywhere where, where God is blessing certain works. And, and I believe he wants to bless the work that's right here at Putnam and our, uh, what we're attempting to do in our, our, our community and across the world. And so we do see those little rays of hope. We see that light that is shining. And and by the way, as long as God's people are still in this world or even in, in America, there will always be a light. There will always be a light and we can represent that light. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to share with you some of the reasons why I think darkness is coming uh, to America. But, but also why the, light, you know, uh, why the light can continue to shine. And so what we're going to attempt to do is we're going to compare the lies that many are believing with the truth of God's word. Now how many of you see that in our nation right now? Lies that are being believed in place of the truth. And that's what's going on all around us. And the 19th century American psychologist, I shared this quote with you not long ago. William James once said this, and this fits us right now. There is no idea so absurd that if repeated often enough, will eventually come to be believed. Are we living in that quote? We are. I mean, you hear all these people talking about fake news. How many of you know that's out there? That whole idea of fake news and putting it out there. But, you know, that's one thing. But when people are looking and just believing lies, lies that that really have no logic, lies that really, I mean, when you look at it, you're sitting there thinking, how in the world can people believe this? We've all been there. Especially if we know God's word and we see what's being played out. And so as you look at all this, how is this happening? How is this happening in our society? Let me tell you one theory that I have. I believe that, as I've said before, we have so much information coming at us that we're not processing anything anymore as people. There's so much information. I mean, television, look at all the channels we have. Look at all the 24-7 news cycles. Look at, look at uh, the Internet, everything. I mean, we, we can't do anything without being in front of information, And here's what I think is happening. What's happening to us is we're just taking in information, taking in information. We aren't reflecting upon it, we're just accepting it because it's right there, it's there, it must be true. No one is contemplating anything anymore, no one is reflecting on anything anymore. And we're a nation of people that I'm afraid, especially the younger people, we're just accepting everything that we read, everything that we say. I did a little experiment this past week just to see if I knew what I was talking about to you this morning. And I went down and I started looking at Yahoo. Anybody know what Yahoo is? Okay. It's not someone out in the country... Yelling at things, okay? <laughs> it's a website thing. But I went there and I started looking at all the headlines. And I started looking at the headlines and I began to think, okay, what if I believed all the headlines I just saw? I would be in a sad shape. Most of the headlines are designed to get your attention. But if you'll click it on, you'll realize that the, the subject matter is, is many times different than the headlines. I mean, it's almost like they want you to believe this, but when you start reading the information, you realize that's not really what that's about. Here's what's happening. There's so much information coming at us all the time that we're just taking the headlines everywhere. And we're just believing what we're seeing. We're not researching anything. We're not uh, contemplating anything. We're not reflecting upon anything. And we just have it all just coming in, coming in, coming in. Let me just tell you this. If the enemy was to set up something to say, hey, I want to take their minds. This is the perfect way to do it. Not where anybody's contemplating, meditating, or reflecting on anything. Oh, they're just accepting it, just spoon feeding them. That's why I believe that we need to wake up. And realize what's going on. So we don't contemplate. We just accept it as truth and we move on. We, we don't reflect as I said anymore. We don't reflect on these things. Listen to this. God told the psalmist to, many of you know this, to be still and know that I'm God. Be still. What does that mean? Silence your life. Enough where you can contemplate what I want to say to you. That you can reflect upon it. That you can look at your life and you can look at the truth of God's word and his wisdom and and all the things that he brings to the table. And you can look at your life and you can bring it all together and you can say, Hey, I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in light. So what does he say? Be still. Reflect. Contemplate. Meditate. And know. What does it mean to know something? Scripture has two things as it relates to the word know. One of the things is this whole idea of experience. You see, we think if we know something, we just have information. But Scripture, when it presents something as that whole idea of knowing something, it's much more than just information. It's the experience of what's being said. It's not only the experience of what's being said, it's also the idea of intimacy. Intimacy. Be still. Be still. Silence your life, contemplate, reflect on me. Let's build intimacy. That's what God's inviting us to do. But you know what? Here's what I'm seeing in our society there's not a lot of intimacy anywhere. It's not just with God. Not, not happening with God. It's happening with individuals. People are isolating themselves. I don't know of more of a lonely time than the society in which we live right now. Because people are so isolating themselves in their own little worlds through the internet. and Through all these different means. And many, they don't even know how to raise their head to look and see what real life is going on. And there is no intimacy. Young ladies... Wondering if they'll ever be married. Many times because young men just, not all of them, don't want to grow up. It's just too easy. It's just too much stuff that they can experience. I mean, think about all the things that are going on. Jesus told his disciples. Here's what what he said. We've heard this all our lives. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And if you want the way, if you want the truth and you want the life, here's the way you're going to get it. You're going to know me. You're going to experience me. It won't just be memorizing scripture. It won't just be knowledge of who God is. No, you're going to experience me. And there's an intimacy that can come with that. So truth is found and experienced in and through the person who created us and took care of our greatest need. What is our greatest need? It is our sin. Something must be done with our sin. And so what's happening here in 1 John chapter 1, uh, John is trying to get people to understand that there's a lot of lies out there about sin. How many of you agree that there's a lot of lies out in our society right now about sin? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what people don't, aren't ashamed of anymore. It's amazing what's out there, and people are just embracing. So look at the introduction on your outline. In these verses, John is debunking the misconceptions concerning sin. He tells us what is being said in the culture of the first century. could be said in the 21st century. And confronts the lies with truth. The lies, as I said, of the first century are prevalent today in our society. Now, what John is attempting to do, along with Paul and almost everyone who writes in the New Testament, what they're attempting to do is debunk, trying to debunk the lies surrounding who Jesus is. Uh, The lies that surround what he says he was, and people are taking off in so many different ways. So, So many people were believing the lies that were being presented in their society. And one of the ways that John is approaching this is the whole idea of sin, what do we do with sin? What are people saying about sin? What, are they, what do they look at? How many of you know the verse, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. That was not only going on 600 years before Christ in which Isaiah wrote this. Guess what? It's going on today. And it's always been around. It sounds much like our culture. Look at First John chapter 1. Look at verse 5. It says, this is the message which we heard from him and declared to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness. And look at the last little phrase. At all. At all. There's no deception in God. There, there's no evil in God. It's just what you see is what you get. He's the light. So there is no darkness in God. So if there's no darkness in God, where does it come from? So look on your outline. What do light and darkness represent in Scripture? Intellectually, light is what we would call revealed truth. Revealed truth. Now, revealed truth would be those things in which God invites us to to know. He he, he presents it to us. How did he do that? Well, he did it through the prophets of old. He did it through visions. He did it many times through dreams. Him just revealing himself. We come to the New Testament. How does he reveal himself? He sends his only son to reveal himself. And so he reveals. It's the revealing of God. Darkness is ignorance or deception. By the way, there's a lot of that going on in our world today. Ignorance and deception. Deception. People don't even know the truth anymore. And, and those who think they know, they're being deceived otherwise. How about morally? What does it look like? What does light and darkness look like immoral, morally? What does it represent? Well, first of all, light is pure. Do a scientific study of light. It's pure. Darkness is evil. It's evil. That's a representation that we find in Scripture. Now, let's look at some verses. Look here on the screen. Psalms 119, 105. There's a lot said about light in Scripture. Okay? Listen to what it says. It says, your word, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is what I need to sustain my life. Your word is what I need to get through this life. How about this one? Proverbs six twenty three. For the commandment is a lamp. God's commands are a lamp and the law a light. Reproves of instructions are the way of life. He's basically saying, Listen, there's some things that I'm going to tell you that's all in the light, and and some of them are just going to be hard. Reproof is hard. Rebuke is hard. But you need to understand if you're going to walk in the light, you need to keep these things. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, Here it is, I am the light of the world. He not only said he was the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. It's one of the seven I am's that Jesus spoke in scripture. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So so let me ask you a question. Is it possible to walk in darkness and light at the same time? Not according to what's just been said. One is, is the opposite of the other. John, 4, John 12, Jesus said this, I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, Therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. It's not deception. I'm bringing you truth. I'm bringing you exactly what you need. So if we're not believing truth, then we are believing a lie. And there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Now look on your outline. Why would someone live in darkness or believe a lie? Why would they do that? Why would they intentionally choose to not walk in light but to choose darkness? Well, I think it's a progression. It's amazing when you talk to people who have sinned. I'm talking about what we would say in great ways. I mean to the point that it's almost destroying their life. And when you begin to talk to those people, here's what they'll tell you. I never dreamed I'd ever wind up in this situation. They didn't just wake up one day and they were in this situation. No, it was a progression. It was a slippery slope. And let me tell you what, the whole idea of what was happening. They were moving away from light and moving into darkness. That's exactly what it was. And if you were to ask them, how how would you describe it? Would you describe it like this? They would say, that's exactly the way I would describe it. Now, how would I know that? Because that's the way that God's word describes it. So what does it look like? The progression of sin. I've given you this before, but first of all, you have the appetites of the flesh. It's that whole idea of your sin being aroused. It's that whole idea that darkness appears to be better than the light that we walk in. And all of a sudden, it gets our attention. And we're focused on that. And we begin that slow process of moving out of the light into the shadows. And then eventually, into the darkness itself. So first of all, within us, it comes within us, the appetites of the flesh. And number two, the emotions of the will. All of a sudden, it's the idea that it's not just a temptation anymore. It's now something that's in me that wants it bad. And then we start and we begin to move in that direction. Sometimes it's issues when it deals with our sins. Sometimes it's our identity. Sometimes it's so many other things. But we begin to walk into that world. So then that's where sin is fueled. And then we have the rationalization of the mind. That's where we have to justify it. That's where we got to say, you know something? It's okay. I mean, that God's word. I mean, when you really think about it, it was written 2,000 years ago. Is it really applicable for today? That's when you start to say, you know something? Why would God withhold something from me that I want so bad? How many of you ever heard that one? Why would God allow me to have this desire if he didn't expect me to go after it? Next, the pride of the heart. After we've rationalized it and bit into it and went that way, all of a sudden we got to protect that, don't we? All of a sudden we got to say it's okay to be here. All of a sudden, we gotta justify it even more. And and when we start feeling guilt, somehow we gotta we gotta protect ourselves to, to be able to stand in the darkness or at least the shadows of light. And we're standing there and we're like, okay, yeah, there's some guilt here, there's a little shame, but but I need to continue to defend it. And then all of a sudden, the deception of others. That's where sin is reinforced, by the way. And all of a sudden, you know what you got? The very thing that your appetite wanted, your lust, your, who you want. All of a sudden, you're moving in that direction. You're there. You've justified it. Now you're sitting there. You're defending it. And then all of a sudden, you look around, and everyone else is reinforcing it. Everything from the people around us to the government. Can the government reinforce sin? Most definitely. Can can, can, can parents get in line when they don't want to confront their children? Most definitely. Can they be a part of the deception? Most definitely. How much further does it have to go? And all of a sudden, they think, we think, we're walking in light. And we're not. We're in darkness as dark can get. And that's where deception comes. That's what we're seeing. So when you see this, our, our America, we're asking God to bless America. And by, he, I believe he wants to bless America. He has blessed America. I believe he wants to continue. But there's a dark cloud that begins to come over. And we as the remnant, we as those who represent light, we got to call it out. The progression, look on your line, the progression of sin leads to spiritual blindness resulting in devastating consequences. And by the way, these lives can be very devastating. They're not just devastating to us personally. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say something like this. I never thought it would affect the people around me like it did. I didn't, I never dreamed. I was so focused on wanting this thing in my life so bad and and wanting it there so bad that I I didn't even consider what it was going to do to to my children. I didn't consider what it was going to do to my family. I didn't know that what I'm doing right now could have any impact in the generations that follow me. Had no idea. You know why? Because they were deceived. They were too busy justifying their sin. They were too busy finding people who would reinforce their sin. They were too busy caught up in the sin itself. And they didn't see anything else. That's the spiritual blindness. John chapter 1 verse 5. John says this in his gospel. He says, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. It didn't get it. Do you know who that is actually a representation, what that represents? This may blow you away. The religious people of the first century. The light came on the scene. Jesus Christ. He came on the scene and, 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 and they didn't comprehend it. Religion didn't comprehend it. If religion can't get it right, can anything get it right? Probably not. They didn't get it. They didn't comprehend it. So here we go. Lies we believe about ourselves. This is not on your outline. Messages you've heard from your parents, from your teachers, from, from the, the bullies in your life, from all those things, from, from the body images that you see in Yahoo or wherever, Google Land or whatever they call it. you got all these things out there and you got all these things and they're coming at you and you're, you're buying in to the point you don't even know what your identity is anymore. You don't even know who you are anymore. Lies we believe in ourselves, the messages from the enemy. How many of you have ever had something pop in your head and you knew it was the enemy? And it seemed so real, it was almost like you were standing right there whispering in your ear. That's when you need a good backhand. You know that? It's like, bam, okay, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> messages from your own insecurities. You know, insecurity is can be devastating to not only you but the people around you. When you're insecure about something, it, it creates nothing like what God desires you to be. So, so when you hear people say this, well, that's just the way I am. When people attack me, I'm coming after them. That's insecurity. It can be very it can be very damaging. How about there was a course I took years ago. had no idea what what was going on in my life over some things. And and I remember I couldn't figure out why I responded to things the way I did. And I was asking God to reveal something to me. And all of a sudden there was this course that came out. I've shared this with you. It was life-changing for me. The course was called Search for Significance. And and all of a sudden I started looking at the lies that the enemy, uh, it's almost like he has these standard lies that he tells us all. And and I was believing these things. The first one I learned was I must meet certain standards or certain things in my life to feel good about myself. If I can't be successful, I have no reason to feel good about myself. Your identity is not found in your successes. Did you know that? Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And I had to come to terms and understand that. Here's, a, here's one that gets I must have the approval of certain others that feel good about myself. Did you know when I first started out in ministry, I, I wasn't so sure that that's, I was seeking that from all the people that God blessed me with to, to, to pastor? I used to think, man, if I don't have that, man, I'm lost. And, and you know something? Here, here's how it works many times. And many of you will identify with this. I could have 250 people just there, and man, God's just working, and man, they, they affirm what God's doing through the word, through my, the teaching that I'm attempting to do, and I can hear 250 people, you give me that one person." He says, "I don't know about that, man. I think you need to be doing. You know what, You know what comes to the forefront of my mind? That one person. And sometimes you need that one person. Sometimes that's the person telling you the truth. I understand that. But my problem wasn't that. My problem was I thought I had to be accepted by everybody to be successful, to feel good about who I am. That was the lie I was believing. Here's another one. If I fail, I'm unworthy of love. You ever been there? That one hits a little deeper, doesn't it? When you walk around, you feel like you're a failure. You feel like you feel shame. You feel guilt. You feel—I mean—the enemy just has his heyday with you. How about this one? I am who I am. I could never change. It's just the way I am. (laughs) Nothing could be further from the truth. Let me tell you something. Jesus, through His Spirit, has has the potential. To radically change everything about you. I was talking to a wife this past week. Her husband was recently saved. And she said this I got, I'm getting to the point, I don't even know him anymore. Disposition's different. I see the same thing in the guy. I mean, it's just, it's like there's a joy there. There's like something, it's like, You don't have to believe the lie, I am who I am, I can't change. Lies we believe about God. This, is, this happens, I've, I've heard many people say this, that God does not care. How many of you are concerned I had not got to the points of the sermon yet? Okay, but anyway. There's a lot of people who believe God doesn't care. Here's another one. That God is always ready to punish me. Step out of line. What do they think? Lightning bolt, right? You ever been there? Here it comes. <laughs> Let me say this: It's not a matter of being punished; it's a matter of being disciplined, like a loving father would do to his children. There's a big difference between the two. How, how about this one: That God cares about some people, but He doesn't care about me. You know how we. You know how the Western thought puts that thought. Here, here's how Western thought. And you got all these advertisements out there. Here's what we think. Some people have everything. They've got this. They've got the perfect husband. They've got the perfect wife. They, they've got the, the lake with the, the nice house on it. They've got this. They've got that. And we look and we, we start comparing our lives. And we look and we say, God must not care about me the way he cares about them. Can I tell you, I've met those lake people. They're in debt up to their ears. <laughs> I'm not just picking on that. I'm serious. Not everything you see is what you think it is. Lies we believe. Here's another one that I'll be accepted by God only if I'm perfect. You're not capable of being perfect. I was talking to a parent the other day. It's really cool vacation Bible school. You get to interact with people you don't normally get to interact with. And I was talking to this parent. They said, you know something? My daughter was talking the other day about how she gave her life to Jesus Christ and she can't understand why she still tells these little lies. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say this. We will never reach perfection in this body. Never will we reach it. The perfection we're counting on is a perfection that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ, in which that perfection went to a cross to be sacrificed that we could identify with his perfection. Everybody's talking about what they're identifying with these days. Isn't that amazing how everybody wants to talk about that? The only thing that's important is that we identify with Christ. And he determines who we are. He determines where we are. He determines those things. All of these are lies about God's nature and his love. Lies we believe about ourselves and God must be replaced by the truth. It must be replaced by Scripture. But let me tell you what a lot of people do. They don't take the time. Yahoo, Google, all these things, you go to these you just take in information, take in information. Okay, I need to do a devotion. What do I do? I go to God's word, oh, I've got to read a chapter today. I take that in and I move on. Now that is better than nothing, only because I believe in the life-changing work of the Word of God. But I'm here to tell you, if you mean business about wanting to replace the lies that you're believing about yourself, if you really are serious about that, you, you will dig in the Word and see what God really says about you. And I'm just here to tell you, a lot of you are very astute. You want to have that. You want, and I believe that's, and that's one reason why I preach the way I do. I try to bring the Scripture alive. I try to let it speak for itself. And that's what you need. Let scripture speak to you. There's a third group of lies that John addresses here. Lies we believe about sin and salvation. There's three debates. In verses 6, 8, and 10, there's that phrase, if we say that we have. What he's saying is this. I'm setting you up. He's saying, I'm going to tell you the lie that's out there. And then I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay? Now, how many of you would say, you know, that would be a good teaching tool. If every time we showed up around here, you would tell us the lie that the society is putting out or the lie, I'm believing, and replace it with the truth. That, that would be very true. Why don't we just do that every week? Can I make you? I do do that every week. <laughs> because that's what God's word does. When God's word is presented, hopefully the lie is being exposed. Hopefully the truth is coming forth. That's what he desires. He states the lie and then the truth. The first debate. <laughs> Got two minutes. <laughs> the lie. Light and darkness can coexist. That's the lie. You can dabble over here, you can dabble over here, and everything can do just fine. Think about it. Light and darkness is the greatest contrast in our physical world. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. This is the message which we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if there's darkness in our life, what, what must we assume? Something's going on that don't need to be in your life. So, so then he goes on. He says there's no darkness in him at all. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. We lie and we're not walking in truth. Now, the word walk there is very important. Walk speaks of habitual sin. It speaks of sin in which you're, 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 you're living in it in such a way that you're defending it as a part of who you are. Is that whole progression I showed you a while ago? I'm not talking about the temptation. I'm not talking about the whole idea of flirting with sin, which is very dangerous, by the way. What I'm talking about is when we get to the point where we're defending our sin. When we're getting to the point where the Spirit of God is attempting to, to say something to us, and we, we sit there and argue with the Spirit of God. And then all of a sudden, what do we have? we got a whole society that says, oh, you're okay. Stay where you are. That's walking in sin. And so here it is. It's lifestyle sin. He says, we lie. It literally means we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Sin is always a barrier to fellowship with God. So we have the light, or excuse me, the lie, which is light and darkness cannot, co- uh, can, uh, cannot coexist. And then, no, can coexist, that's a lie. The truth is this, only light can produce fellowship and cleansing. Walking in the light describes absolute sincerity. When we walk in the light of God's word, we're as genuine as we can be. We integrity is who we are. I mean, it's just it's just who we are. There's nothing to hide. Now, why would people like darkness? It's easier to hide. When you were little, when you played hide and seek, when was it the funnest? At night. Yes, sir. You could really hide. You you could if it was dark enough, you could be standing right there and they walk right by you. And you you remember those times? I loved hide and seek. My cousins would come over and we'd play hide and seek. That, that was a, I mean, I would get right giddy. They're coming. Are they going to be here at night? We can play hide and seek, right? You know, anyway, but anyway, <laughs> you can hide easy. That's the reason we choose the, 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 the darkness. If all of a sudden we come out into the light, guess what? We're exposed. The very thing that we've been attempting to justify, the very thing that we're defending, all of a sudden it begins to lose credibility. Here's my prayer this morning. Maybe you came in here this morning and you didn't want your sin exposed. And you came in here and you said someone put enough pressure. Oh, come on, just go to church. Let's go to church today. And you're sitting here today and all of a sudden, (laughs) the credibility of the lie that you've been believing is starting to shake. It's starting to break. It's starting to fall away. And all of a sudden, you're seeing it for what it truly is. Something that could lead to devastation. Something that could destroy you if not handled now. You see, so many times. I mean, I want you to think about your life right now. I had to think about this all week. I want you to think about this. What are you defending in your life right now? what are you saying well it's okay I mean this is not going right in my life and surely God would allow this well this is not being met in my life so God would probably I think he would allow this what is that it's rationalization what do you rationalize what's worse what are you defending what what sin are you defending the answers listen The answers are not found in society. They're not there. You know why? Society builds its whole premise. And the society that the dark clouds come in. Builds its whole premise on the appetites of the flesh. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing it? It's happening. And all of a sudden we we begin to look around. And this isn't so bad. I gotta stop. I, I want to ask you a question. Just stand to your feet, please. We're gonna have a hymn of invitation, and I, I just want to with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, I just pray for everyone in this room. Father, I know that your Holy Spirit is that light. I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that there's darkness in this room. Father, I believe there are lies that we're believing that can only be exposed when we stand in the light of your truth. And Lord, help us to realize that truth is not a concept, it's not necessarily logic, it's not just something we gain through knowledge. Truth is a person. And so when we begin to move away from darkness, we're not moving just to light in itself. We're moving toward the person of Jesus Christ. And Father, I just pray that somehow we can get our minds around that. And as 1 John, as as John was trying to discuss in this letter, uh, the rest of the letter is all about the love of God and sending his son and providing uh, forgiveness for sin and and providing the, uh, the wrath that will be placed upon Jesus and not upon ourselves. Father, I just pray for us to understand those of us who are defending our sin, those of us who are rationalizing our sin, those of us who think that now we can stand confidently because the rest of the world is standing in this. But Lord, help us to realize we will never be happy. We will never find joy. We will always live in shame and guilt living there. Something will never be right living in darkness. Help us to move toward the person of truth, Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that they'll, they'll replace the lies that they've been buying into, saying that they don't need Jesus, that, that maybe today your Holy Spirit has, has moved in such a way that they see their need and they'll respond today. Father, if there's someone here today that's maybe they're a believer in Christ and they, they're standing here today and, and they're just like many of the people that I counsel with who, who, are, who are caught in their sin and, and, and they, they had that realization that they never dreamed they could be this far in sin. Father, I pray before it's too late that you'll turn their heart. Father, if there's someone here who believes us the church home and called them to be a part of, I pray they'll be obedient if they believe that, if they believe you're leading them to Father, we pray you have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Myself.